asked that question, I started thinking, because I started going through so much in the Word of God and so much with what the Bible had to say, um, that it became a little more pointed. Uh, it, it, I, I said, man, it's just a little too general uh, for me. And I started asking God, I said, what's my point? What's my point? What am I doing? Uh, why am I doing what I, what am I, uh, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I live the way I live? Why do I make the decisions I, I make? Why do I trust in the God that I trust? What is my point? Today, I hope to mildly entertain, but hopefully deepen your relationship with God to ask you, what's your point today? What's your point every day? Proverbs 3, 5 simply says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This one's tough. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your, he will, he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We're at the end of the Daniel fast. I believe that the Daniel fast is a twofold question. What am I going to give up and why am I giving it up? In past years, uh, if I can be just 100% transparent with you, um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a trendy guy. Uh, you know, I, you see a lot of the memes on Christian Facebook posts about the music pastors with the weird haircuts and the t-shirts down here and I can barely cut my hair, but, um, and, uh, but, uh, um, I, that's not me. I'm not, I, I, I feel more comfortable, to be quite honest, if I thought it was comfortable enough to wear gym shorts instead of a pair of jeans, I'd be in gym shorts and a baseball jersey uh, with some flip-flops on. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm not a trendy guy. I can uh, share with you guys confidently that everybody remember the, uh, the Walking Dead craze, the zombies and all that, and all these people came out and started preparing for the zombie apocalypse. Uh, I, I had two roommates at the time that that show started coming out, and every Sunday night when they would walk into the house and all their friends would come in to watch the new episode, I'd just plant myself right in a room because it was like, first of all, Zombies aren't real. We know that, right? Like, that's not, as much bath salts as you guys can eat, it's not going to make you a zombie, okay? It's not going to make you a zombie. Um, but I, I didn't catch that trend. And, and, and if I can translate it in here, there are some years where I just need to be alone with God. And I just, I, I didn't, I, not that I separated myself from the church, but I just needed to do my, my own fast in my own time. And I needed to center myself so I didn't feel like I was just doing it to do it. And I think a lot of times when we say, what's the point, we can look at New Life Church and we can say, what's the point of all of us being here? But it may, it change, your answer changes when you say, what's your point? 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 Because when we say, what's your point, it takes the responsibility off of being able to blend in and it puts you in a spotlight with God and it says, what are you doing? I believe trusting in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding should stretch you. Did the Daniel fast stretch you? 
For those coffee drinkers, I can confidently say it can stretch you and it's going to stretch you because when you have that first coffee, here's the youth pastor side of me, the poo-poo side is going to become real. <laughs> I can confidently speak to that. I hope it meant something. And I hope that when you do the Daniel fast, you just weren't participating in it because everybody was, but because there was an opportunity. I love, the, I, I love Jonathan's I, games, you know, giving up games, um, because that's dead time. When you, when you put that down, if you're not doing anything, if you're not listening to music or reading your Bible, I'm sure he can ask you there were times where he just kind of sat there and was like, huh, well, let's see where the mind travels. <laughs> this is what happened to me. I, I, one thing that's very personal to me is music. I, I'm a music guy. Um, it centers me. Um, I can speak to you know having a tough week um, and not having music there um, to comfort me as it normally does. And it stretches you. It, it it really does deepen your faith. Did you let the Daniel fast do that? Sometimes I dig into things real deep and I say, what am I giving up to make an eternal difference? And I think that's the next question we ask when we say, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Are my actions eternal? Are my thoughts eternal? What do I learn from giving up something that some people can say, well, how can you take giving up coffee and turn it into making a personal or eternal, a personal and eternal difference? Personal because you got to trust God to not bite people's heads off. Um, but how do you allow it to turn that deepening feeling into then an eternal feeling? And that's the question when we say trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding because when things get tough and we just don't know whether you go left, right, straight, backwards, I'll use the fork and road analogy wherever Jimmy is. Um, the fork and road analogy, one of the first things I said to Jimmy is I said, now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's gonna, gonna come a point. There's gonna come, you're gonna come to a fork in the road. You're gonna have the cross and a sacrifice that Jesus made for your life or your own way of doing anything. And that's Proverbs 3, 5. You're gonna to come to a point in your life, Christian, where you have to say, do I trust in the Lord with all my heart? Not pointing at them. Or do I lean on my own understanding? Definitely not pointing at them. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Because when, when you have that sense of acknowledgement, he will bring you down that path that he has for you. You don't have to worry about, oh, I took a step off for a second because he, he's there to put you back on. I wonder, I wonder if these past two weeks allowed us to make those decisions. Do we make moves in our life that are better or worse are the right moves to make? Uh, marriage vows for better or worse, right? Any married person will tell you, for better or worse, shows up a lot more probably than for richer or poorer. Maybe, I don't know. Today, I hope to challenge your outlook by asking three to five questions. It's a three-point sermon with a couple questions in between. 
with these questions, bringing you deeper into your thoughts. The first one is this, does your point fight to stay with him? Does your point fight to stay with him? That comma there, that's not there, does your point, comma, fight to stay with him? Psalm chapter 46, verses one through four says this, and this is such a powerful thought. I, I truly believe, um, I, I, I've, as I've studied this, it's, as I've looked at this passage specifically in this and another one, it's, it kind of deepens your thought process when you think about this. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in a time of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid through the earth, uh, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple in the depths of the sea, though its waters roars, uh, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river, it streams delight in the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. God does not promise that in our, uh, on our time here on earth, he will prevent trouble. What he does say is that he will be present in your times of trouble. Do you grasp the awesome promise within there? He doesn't promise that you're not going to bring hard times on yourself. Everybody can confidently say there are times others have brought trouble, but there are times where we've asked for it, especially as kids, any butt whooping I got. I have two aunts and two grandparents, and then I've got uh, a dad that's here today. And uh, when this school used to be, or this church used to be a school, I can confidently speak to the fact that there were times where I brought trouble to myself. And when I tell you I didn't get away with it, it was like, I'll say this actually, with the exception of my grandfather, I think I got spanked at least once a week, five times a day. <laughs> They'd finally get tired of it and send me down to the principal's office who was grandpa, and he'd wait till they got back into their class and he's like, let's go to lunch. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay. Let's go, Denardo's it is. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way, Grandpa. It molded me into the disciplined adult <laughs> that I am today. Um, but, but we need to remember that God says he's not going to prevent trouble, but he's going to be present in our time of trouble. That's where Proverbs 3, 5, I, we can go back to this. We can, we're gonna go back to this all throughout the sermon, because, all throughout this message today, because we're going to understand that God is, our, God is not uh, going to prevent trouble. He's going to be present in our time of trouble. We need to recognize that because trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding in times of trouble. What we do is we say, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I read this. Yeah, I, 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 I get some of it of what it tells me. Oh, I, got, I, I lost my job. <sighs> well, God, I got I to gotta lean on my own understanding. We, we got Aileen over here that just left her corporate job. She, she yes, she, I have still sold out to the, uh, to the man that is called Comcast. Um, and uh, they treat me well for the time being. 
Um, but, but it's easy to say, where now, and try and get there on your own, isn't it? It's more difficult to say, I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. Because what I want to do with my life, and I, I know the business she's opening and what she's doing can have an eternal impact, can change lives. It can point straight to heaven and say, your worth to God is much more than the food you're putting in your stomach or what other people say to, say to you on social media or what other people think about your weirdo personality. Right? Amen? Me and Andrew all day long, weirdos for life. The warm and cozy feeling and, uh, of safety that he wraps us up in sometimes isn't there, is it? If we were to be honest. But what happens when the wavering starts to rise or we end up in a lion's den or we end up in a fiery furnace, as humans, it's human nature to lean on our own understanding. What God is saying is, let me do the magnificent through you. Let me show something that's out of this world through you. Let me take what you think you are, your self-worth, and show you that you're much more than your past. You're much more than the present you've created for yourself, and you can be much more for, than the future that you may have planned out for yourself. My future was always going to be number seven starting catcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. At some point, the dream has to die. <laughs> it was about when I was probably started playing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase, I'm going, uh, or I'm sorry, I believe and see that we can use a phrase as an excuse. Today, I'm here to ask you honestly, face-to-face, -face, between you and God, within your own heart, do you use trust in the Lord with all your heart as a facade? And we're gonna get into surface level here in a second. But do you, get, do you trust God with all your heart as a surface, surface thing? but deep down inside, you're leaning on your own understanding. You need to come to grips with yourself at some point. At some point, Christian, and say, I have to give up me. The Bible says, in order to make an eternal difference, you must increase, God, and I must decrease. Just like my Comcast stock options. They must <laughs> decrease. <laughs> By the way, Streaming services will put me out of a job soon. Just saying. I'm just joking, it won't. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's bane of my existence right now. Um, but Baby Yoda's kind of cute. Can I get an amen? Yeah, okay, amen. Um, <laughs> our dependency shouldn't be on others' minds or our minds. My self-worth isn't valued, listen, Self-awareness is a powerful word in my life right now. I, I'm very self-aware about three things. One, I can try as hard as I can, but adulting just doesn't fit sometimes for me. One, 
I talk more than just about anybody I know. Any only person I've met in my life that talks more than me is Erin. Um, <laughs> she can replay that all she wants, but we all know it's true. Um, but but I've also yeah, that's you, not me. I don't have to go home to her. Um, <laughs> straight. But let me let me say this to you on a real. I don't care that people perceive my words, my, my great amount of words, as an annoyance sometimes because I know that my Redeemer lives with inside of me and my purpose to build relationships is to use the words that others may not have to bring comfort. Listen, am I the best facilitator? Am I the best, uh, best detail-oriented person? I can stand up here confidently and say there's not a shot <laughs> of me being that person. But if I, can, if I can use my words to get somebody through these doors, I have facilitators and detail-oriented people here that can then build relationships and start relationships and start discipleship and start encouraging and start loving in ways that I couldn't imagine. So instead of me buying into what other people say and even what I know is true of me and looking at it as a negative, I say, trust in the Lord with all my heart and don't lean on my own understanding. The third thing is, I know I can be annoying. It's it just, I know I can. You can ask my aunts, they're here. Uh, now, in my family, I've got two sisters. I can confidently say I'm the least annoying um, because simply because I'm my family's favorite. Um, but yeah, see, they're not saying no. So... <laughs> I just have to give him a better Christmas present this year. <laughs> but let me say this. The way I overwhelm people isn't to overwhelm and annoy. It's to overwhelm because I, I, I desperately love and I desperately see what God wants, wants for me and wants for them. It terrifies me. And you can, you can ask anybody I've had a conversation with about starting a church on my own. It's the most terrifying thing for many reasons, because this is my home. Because this is a place that has cultivated me turning into a man, a husband, scariest thing, a father. Blows my mind. But let me say this. Across the river, there are people every day that's dying without knowing Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And there's, there's, no, there's nobody reaching out. As God burdened me, when, when my son was born, what I would do is he wouldn't sleep ever. So, or, and all he would do was cry. So I'd put him in his uh, um, box, car seat. Thank you, box. <laughs> well, if DCF is watching, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, was just, it was a good run, kid. Um, <laughs> box that just well let's pray we're done now please should be here anytime and I would drive and and one of the looky-loo type of things I like to do is I like to look at houses that I will never ever own um and and I would drive through West Springfield and I I would drive through and there was a time where I saw a church in West Springfield and I'd pray for it I'd sit in their parking lot and pray and 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 things have changed there but as I I drove through I would just look and I'm like, man, you have this one church 
And within that West Springfield area, if you go from Agawam Feeding Hills, you go up to Westfield, and then you go all the way up to East Hampton, there's 242,176 people. It's the only time I will be able to quote math to you. <laughs> and 90% of them are on their way to help. Now, whether you like putting it that bold or not, I'm ashamed that it took me 17 and a half years to realize that. And I'm not ashamed because, oh man, I, I, I've done nothing. I'm ashamed because I just didn't see. I was leaning on my own understanding and saying, here I am in my comfortable church with my comfortable family, with, with, with my comfortable music, with my comfortable youth group, and I'm not realizing that I should be uncomfortable reaching where God needs to be reached. I spoke with a, a group called Converge and they're an organization that helps plant churches. And if I can say that my phone has blown up from the people I've talked to there, they're just so excited because it's a place where they've been looking and praying to have somebody go plant a church. And not only do they have somebody, but they have a local that knows how to reach people. And I said, I, I, I will... I, and I committed, and I commit to you as somebody that will be sent out from new life, that I will do my best to stay organizing, do things right, so that we can lift high the name of Jesus together and see the victories that he has. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. I won't lean on my own understanding. As I did that, this second question came to my mind. It said, does your passion lead your direction, or are you passionate because of your direction? And that's a tricky question to answer because many people could look at it and say, well, I could go either way on that. But I want to read one of the most unique stories in the Bible to you, and it's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. I just flipped to the exact passage that I needed. How awesome is that? It's always a good feeling when you do that. You're like, yes. Samuel chapter 3, verse, verse 1, it says, the boy, uh, the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence in those days. The word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place before the lamp of God had gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord came to Samuel and he answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me? I didn't call, Eli said, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I did not call my son, he replied, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, Lord, here I am you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was called, or calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down if he calls Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord, call, uh, the Lord came, stood there as, uh, and called before Samuel, or as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. We read a lot in there that can be broken down and applied to all of us. The first being that there was a time in Samuel's life where he didn't hear the voice of the Lord. If you're at a stage of your life to where you don't know what a calling is or how God is reaching out to you, what do you think you need to do? 
Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When we finally, when, uh, one, uh, the first being that Samuel's life, he did not hear God's voice. He didn't know how to hear God's voice. So what did he do? What do we do in our Christian lives? And this is a profound, to me, this is such a profound statement because it goes as deep as you want it to go. He ran to what was familiar. Do you get that? When you're trying to dig in deep, when you're trying to break bad habits, and you think you hear the voice of the Lord, and you don't know what the voice of the Lord sounds like, do you run to what's familiar? Do you run to what you, what you know, what's comfortable? That's a, that's, a deep, that's a deep question to me, because as this question says, does your passion lead your direction, or are you passionate because of your direction? We, we make up our own direction when we don't know, when something new happens when we follow down that path because we're uncertain. And that's what Samuel did. He went and said, you called me? And it's amazing to me that the voice of God sounded so familiar. Isn't that weird sometimes? Amber played with us today for the first time. She's played piano many times. There can be a different calling when you move from the snow, you know, covered tundra of Minnesota to Massachusetts and you say, okay, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna normalize myself here. I'm gonna get into a routine. I'm gonna get into a habit. Oh, wait, you're calling me to the familiar? Well, how is the familiar of what you know gonna create a difference? And God used the familiar to point out that God was calling them to something deeper. And that's profound to me. That's stinking amazing to me. Because simply put, we can't run and always lean on our own understanding to what's familiar. Make sure, make sure you find a teacher, a discipler, uh, another Christian that is also more seasoned, let's call it, than you. Andrew knows what I'm talking about, more seasoned, right? The <laughs> thing. Just a, I don't know what that means. I just see it on YouTube all the time, and I don't even know that I'd be able to do it right. But can you put sugar on the, you know, the cereal, the Lucky Charms like that? No, I'm just joking. I don't, I don't do that. I'm just, I was trying to evoke a reaction. That's not me at all. I promise you. I put sugar on grape nuts, but that's beside the point. Anyway, make sure the teacher is someone who should be teaching as well. We, we read on a different level to bring it even deeper that Eli was struggling. Eli was on his way out. Eli wasn't handling his responsibilities to, let's say, the way God had called him to. His sons were able to run around and basically do whatever they want and, and act however they want. What we learn, though, is that Eli said, go back and just sit in your place. See, God sometimes says, and we learn later on from Paul, where he says, be still and know that I'm God. Paul, right? Yeah, that was close. David, yep, David. Oops, <laughs> didn't take my medicine today. Be still. Sometimes he wants you to go back to where he's placed you, and he wants you just to be still 
and hear his voice. And that's powerful to me because we as Christians, we can look at our lives, we can look at what God has called us to, and we can say, well, let me see what's familiar. New life is familiar. My Bible is familiar. You give me, uh, there, there was a question that said, if you're on a desert island what and you could only take one book of the Bible with you, what book would you take? And I was like, ever, the number one answer, I think it was like 80% of people said the book of Psalm. When you go through it, the reasoning kind of shocked me, not because it speaks to me or I think it's the most powerful. I'm familiar with it, and it's the longest book in the Bible, so it gives me more, time to, more, more content to read. My question is this, are you looking at what gives you more content to read or less content with deeper meaning that will drive you closer to your relationship with God? Just because you've got a thicker Bible than I do doesn't mean you're holier than I am. Just because you have a Bible that Ravi Zacharias does the commentating on it doesn't mean that you know more about the Bible or you know how to apply it better than somebody does. And what Samuel was looking for to, with the familiar was saying, teach me. What Eli said was, I'm not in a place to teach you. Go back and it's God. God's trying to call you himself. So go and listen. Next, we read that Samuel, uh, as Samuel ran towards what's familiar, he was told to stop. And he was told to go listen to the voice of God. Sometimes when we listen to the voice of God, what he's saying is allow the voice of God to bring you deeper. And this is what's cool. I called our own Emma, Benjamin, all the way from New Zealand. I was going to try and work on the accent, but it's just not me because I can't do one. God wants us to go with our calling below the surface. Now check this out. I had a thought, and I, I was doing some, uh, some research uh, on the old Google, and uh, what it said, and when I called Emma, because Emma is getting her doctorate in like, uh, or has her doctorate, she's doing something in like ocean maintenance and revitalization, I don't know, uh, stuff with the ocean. So I asked her, I said, what do people in your line of profession, because I don't know your title, consider the surface of the water? And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, when do you stop being at the surface of the water? Is it when you're fully submerged? How deep? And she goes, it's actually a good question. And it, she said, it's actually a really good answer. Uh, there's a really cool answer. She goes, the surface can go anywhere. If you're, if you're talking 10 feet of water, can go all the way down to five feet. Why? Because that's where the water can still be manipulated by waves, currents, the human elements, whatever. Um, it's not when you're fully submerged. And, and, and that was kind of the answer I was hoping for because I wanted to say, man, when you think you're below the surface, God is saying, I want you in the abyss. What happens when you go deeper, deeper, deeper into the ocean? You can see less and less and less, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's a point of the depth of the water where you hit crush level, flatten like a pancake. What if Jesus is calling you 
below the crush depth to go deeper because there's somebody down there that's almost crushed, that's almost done, that's almost given up. And he wants you to bring him to the surface and show him the light. Maybe they need to be taken above the surface to catch their breath. He's saying, don't think that, you're, that, that your knowledge goes deep simply because you're fully submerged in God's calling. God's calling is always deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. My grandfather, one of my heroes, he talks to me and there's some words where I like to keep a dictionary by me sometimes. But he's constantly learning. He, he has a checklist on his desk because I raid his office quite often. Sometimes I steal books and don't give them back. Hopefully he's not listening. But, he, but he's constantly studying his Bible. Why? Because at the ripe old age of 196, <laughs> he, did I get that right? Oh, okay, just wanted to make sure I was accurate. <laughs> he still knows that he's gotta go deeper, that he's gotta go deeper, okay? That even though his earthly body is fragile, his spiritual body can weather anything. His spiritual body is tested, has been put through the fire, and it's come out saying, I will not remain at the surface when I am called to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. That's the application that we need to think of. It scares us because we don't know what's there. The other, the other one is, uh, the other analogy, I guess you could say, is faith is taking the next step without seeing a full staircase, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because you're not always gonna see. Forget about seeing tomorrow. Anybody not been able to see the next five minutes? <laughs> hey -o. When I'm sitting at highbrow, I can't see the next five minutes because I'm like, I've eaten so much food <laughs> that the next five minutes, I know they're bringing out another pizza or some sticky ribs. And I don't know where I'm gonna put it, but I'm sure gonna taste good. We struggle to commit. I love this analogy. Uh, back in 2007, I took a job at the Eastfield Mall. Um, and uh, amazing place, uh, lively, full of action. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and I, I, I transitioned from uh, being a pizza chef to, I was, other people made the pizza, I just sold it. Two, I was working at a booth at, at the, uh, uh, for Verizon Wireless. And uh, uh, me and one of my coworkers were driving home one day and uh, we had stopped right outside of the Eastfield Mall exit at the intersection uh, and we were taking a left on Boston Road. There's this big yellow Aztec uh, that was there. Now I'm not a big guy and a guy that I was with had the likings of a hobbit. And um, we, we said, hey, the Christian thing to do right now is to get out and see if they need help. 
they did. They were a little bit older in age. They weren't the smallest people I've ever met. And we were like, well, let's try and jump the car, see if that works. I can confidently say that that was probably the worst advice that I ever did was trying to hook somebody. I don't know. That's apparently, that's not the first thing you're supposed to do. So I said, okay, there's a Sears Auto Center right over here. It said, what we will attempt to do is push this Aztec to the back of the intersection. You will cut the wheel, and then we will attempt to push the car to the Sears Auto Center. Now, what added to the, the, the weight of the Aztec was the fact that these two elderly people decided not to get out of the car, <laughs> thus making this very muscular man you see before you that much more impressive to push something. So we started pushing, and we started pushing, we started pushing, we got it, they cut the wheel, got behind the car, and I said, you ready? We gotta give it all we got, and we started pushing. We got it going, and I mean, when I say we got it going, we were almost at a run. And there's a part of the Sears Auto Center parking lot that it starts to slant up, which makes men of my stature scared a little bit when you have a large vehicle right in front of you that could at any point in time roll behind you. And I knew it was there, so I went to go look at my pushing partner and say, hey, let's get, you know, whatever they do, whatever those meatheads do in the gym, they're like, you know, get, it's just, let's do it. You know, whatever that looks like, that's not me. I drive by gyms for my exercise. So, um, uh, so I go to do it and I look over and my homeboy is not there. And I'm like, I am now unsure of this next step. And I look back and he was at the starting line. You wanna make a spiritual application for this? Sometimes it's not easy to do what we don't think we can do. But when we trust in the Lord with all our heart, we can make that push. I'm confident to stay, say that no, I didn't make it to the front of the Sears Auto Center. I pushed as far as God allowed and then I said, if you don't stop this now, I'm gonna die. <laughs> because this thing is gonna roll backwards and I'm gonna get stuck underneath. But I gave everything I had. I hadn't sweat that, I hadn't sweat that much since I was you know, a, a soccer player in high school. And I pushed and I pushed. Church, it's the same thing. When we're in our lives, when we're in our everyday lives, don't stop pushing, don't stop. I can't stop. It's a hashtag I use in our Instagram a lot. Don't stop, won't stop. Because I understand that there's more people. There may be somebody in the car that can't push themselves. There may be somebody in here that can't push themselves that need to be pushed until they can get out on their own. There may be somebody that needs to understand that, that their point or their passion, they can be passionate about, sorry, I have to go back to that. They can be passionate because of their direction and they just need a little push and a send off. Lastly, this, and this is most powerful. Does your purpose have a point? Does the purpose of your life today, Christian, have a point? Do the words that you say, do the thoughts that you think, do the actions that you do have a point? One thing I obviously cannot do is cut my own hair, okay? I have someone here that if I tried to, I was like, Kate was cutting my hair. I think one of the first times she cut my hair, I was like, listen, I can either pay you back with cash or I can cut your hair for you. <laughs> and she was like, just for that comment, I'm doubling what I'm charging you. 
And then George from the other room yelled out, cash. Um, <laughs> so there are things, does your passion have a point? And we're going to dig in. Flip over to 1 Corinthians real quick. First Corinthians chapter nine, we start in verse 24. It says, do you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win that prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it in under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I love Conor McGregor, okay? If you get into the UFC stuff, this dude mouths off so much and then just knocks some dude out in 40 seconds. It was awesome. Anytime somebody gets knocked out in a cowboy hat is fine by me. Um, <laughs> Yeah. My question to you is this. And anybody, anybody do any sort of track or sports in high school? Now we got a professional soccer player here. And if, if I asked him if I, got to if I could understand his response, um, I'm there with Jonathan, I would say this. Is there a point in time in your training where you hit a wall? You have two decisions there, Christian. When you hit that wall of your spiritual life, you can allow church to become, and the Bible, and your prayer life, and music to become a formality to you, or you can change things up, right? Anytime you're exercising and you need to, you, you need to get to the next level, sometimes you have to shock the body. You know what I call that? Parking like three rows back from where I usually park, so I walk a little bit extra. That shocks this body every time. Okay? You have to shock your spiritual life sometimes or it's going to become a formality. It's going to become a habit. Some of the easiest ways, read a different book in the Bible that you've never read before. Go into the Old Testament, maybe. Maybe when you come to church, sit in a different chair. Anybody watch uh, Dead Poet Society? Stand on, a, stand on a chair changes your perspective, right? When you're, when you're, you know, my grandmother and you're that high to the ground, if you, were to give, no, if you were to give her a stepping stool, it would change her perspective. If you were to take me and move me, it would change my perspective. Man, when your Christian life starts to feel like a formality or you're just going to church to go to church, you're just praying to pray, just reading your Bible to read, you're singing to the top of your lungs in your car just to sing and you're not feeling an impact, shock your body. Shock your spiritual body. Change it up. Find a way to make a difference. Have you allowed this place to become part of just your routine? How many of you today can honestly say, I need to change things up? Maybe you start by reading your Bible. Not just with a purpose or just start reading it. Maybe you start talking to God. That's called praying. Maybe you need to just start praying. Maybe, uh, maybe you need to invest yourself deeper. Maybe what you do for God at New Life Church just isn't enough anymore because it's become a formality. 
Maybe this time in your life, you just need to listen to God's voice in the normality of your life and see how you can make the normal not so normal. If you can truly say right now, you are perfect standing in God's will, I challenge you in this very moment, stand up and tell us all your secret. So if the God of this world, the creator of all things, works every, uh, every day to com compete, and I, I learned something this week, the Bible said, he who that has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day that you see him face to face. Think about this and then try and sit complacent in your own life. The creator of this entire world works every day. Why don't you? The I, I wanna say that again. The creator of this world perfect, holy, sent his only begotten son because that was the only way we could have a personal relationship with him, works every day. Every day. Then why don't you? God's, God's work isn't isn't because he just wants to be God. It's because the central focus of his will, and this is a quote I'm stealing from Pastor Sean Sears, the center of God's will is the church. It's not New Life Church, it's the people. It's the body of Christ. It's the center of God's will. Think about it as a bullseye. We're right here at the center. And I'll ask you this question. If the center of God's will is his church, why isn't it ours? Why do we put on the outskirts what God puts at the very center? Why do we put on the back burner what God makes his focal point? My fast from, from music ended this morning at seven because I do things different. My dad can't tell me what to do anymore. He can, he just can't catch me, so we're all good. <laughs> and I'm gonna ask for something in a second. I've asked Jonathan to, oh, I'm gonna try and make it through this song. I'm gonna ask for something different this morning. We're gonna bring down the house lights so you can feel comfortable. We're gonna start to play a video. And this song says this, it's written by Stephen Furtick of Elevation Worship. And it says, oh, come to the altar, his arms are open wide. Forgiveness, oh, forgiveness. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment. No one looking around. I don't, I don't care if you normally keep your eyes open and you peek around, but I'm gonna ask this. Are you doing absolutely everything you can for the love of Jesus? This altar that is known as this stage is here for you today. We're gonna play a video, it's about four and a half minutes long. And in that moment, I wanna challenge you to do this, do the uncomfortable. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna ask this, are you doing everything you can? What's your point today?
Do you need to change the direction of your point? Do you need to trust in God with all your heart because you're leaning on your own understanding? In about 10 seconds, I'm going to ask to make a bold statement with every head bowed and every eye closed. And it's going to be followed by another bold request. Is there anybody here that says, my point needs to be refocused? Would you raise your hand? See those hands all over the place? All over the place. My challenge to you is this. Step out of the normal. If you can't get up and come down to this altar, stay where you're at. But as we start the video, I'm going to ask this. Come down here. Do what's not normal. Get on your knees before the throne of God and say, God, I'm here. Speak to me.